We are proud to announce the launch of WrestleCopia brand and the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, which you can find over at www.wrestlecopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com, WrestleCopia.com. You may have heard me mention the WrestleCopia brand in passing on a variety of our shows. You might be asking, what is WrestleCopia? Well, the name derives from the words wrestle for wrestling and copia, which is defined as having plenty or an abundance of. It's abundance of wrestling history over at WrestleCopia.com as the podcast never continues to grow with a variety of podcasts. Everything from our show, The Wrestling Memory Grenade, where we take a trip down memory lane to wrestling history's past as we analyze and dissect complete years of wrestling history from your favorite promotions, to Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, an in-depth look and weekly breakdown of the entire Raw vs. Nitro War, to our newest podcast, TR Shocks the World, where host Tom Robinson makes his long-awaited return to the wrestling airwaves. Tom does everything from break down the current product to share inside stories and memories from years gone by. It's discretion advised as TR shocks the world with his strong opinions, hilarious impressions, and so much more. The WrestleCopia News Network is a special feature podcast. You can expect more late-breaking news, timely discussions, and tributes to the fallen legends on future episodes of WCNN. We've also got other podcasts being prepped for their debuts, including a territory-based show we like to call The Money and the Miles. There's an old saying in the world of professional wrestling that nothing in this business is real except the money made and the miles traveled. In this podcast, we discuss the territory era, with shows focusing on everything from show reviews to yearly breakdowns to episodes focusing on some of the rare, lesser-known territories and outlaw promotions of yesteryear that remain an enigma. Stop on over to WrestleCopia.com for all the latest shows and follow us on Twitter, at WrestleCopia. That's on Twitter, at WrestleCopia, for all the latest news and information on the podcast network. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Hey guys, welcome to a very star-spangled and special edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, episode number 45. It's all about July 4, 1993. I'm your host, so you've heard of Uncle Sam, just call me Uncle Ray Russell here this week, and joining <laughs> me for this episode, a very special episode, as I pointed out, a very patriotic episode, so it's Steve Yankee Doodle Extat. Welcome to the show, Yankee Doodle. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I had to give you a great name for this episode because I know you were looking so forward to it. And I'm not even being sarcastic, people. I know Steve was looking forward to this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, talk about Lex Luger the whole time. I'm, oh. I'm here for it. Oh, God. You, you let the cat out of the bag. I'm sure I'm sure there were like two people that didn't, <laughs> didn't know what the hell was going on here with Lex Luger on the uh, logo uh, banner and all that good stuff as well. Uh, but yeah, guys, it's all aboard the USS Intrepid. For this episode, all aboard the Lex Express. Before we close out this episode, this special mini episode, I call it mini, but 
none of our shows are really super mini, are they now, Steve? Uh, but yeah, we got a, it's, it, we're focusing all on the July 4th, 1993 Stars and Stripes Challenge aboard the USS Intrepid. Of course, the Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge, new WWF champion Yokozuna. He, he had defeated Hulk Hogan at King of the Ring, and, and he took away America. He took away Americana. A piece of Americana has died, according to Mean Gene Okerlund. So uh, here it is. It's the fallout from the event to humiliate America even further on their very birthday. Mr. Fuji has issued a challenge and promised a victorious victory today at the uh, Intrepid <laughs> in the harbor here. Uh, but before we talk all about the Stars and Stripes Challenge and the fallout, uh, let's talk just a little bit about our social media. You guys can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and all of our sister podcasts as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. That's at WrestleCopia.com. And, of course, all your favorite podcast streaming apps from Apple, Spotify, Google Pod, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audible on Amazon, iHeartRadio, so many more out there, guys. And Twitter, Twitter users out there, you guys can follow us at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade, home of the free prize giveaway. Also now, follow us and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Again, also home of the free prize giveaway. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook for your chance to enter and win all future free prize giveaways. Steve, do we have anything going on right now? I do. Uh, we got we got a Lex Luger, of course. Pro Wrestling Crate had his autograph in their box a couple months ago. I got one. It's it's the USA gear. A uh, real nice picture. It's 100% legit, straight from Pro Wrestling Crate. So uh, it's an 8x10. So um, we'll be giving that away soon. Autographed. You want to. Let's do it like this. Let's do the autographed. Promo pick, 8x10, of Made in the USA Lex Luger. Steve's giving it away, guys. All you got to do in order to enter into this is simply follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade or follow and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade or cheat and follow us on both. I don't care. And uh, double your chances of uh, potentially winning this awesome free prize giveaway. And what a perfect time. We'll promote this for a little bit because it's kind of a big time autograph to give away the Made in USA era Lex Luger thing, especially it coincides with this show. So we'll get, let's do it. Let's announce the winner in three weeks time, guys. Let's leave this out there for a little bit because I want to add something. I want to send something out to somebody too. So I'm going to go through my stuff and I'll announce mine on Twitter and Facebook this week. I'm going to try to find something that coincides with the era Lex Luger through my magazines and things like that. So Steve will be the number one winner, the autograph promo pick, and I'm going to throw a magazine in there too, but we'll announce both giveaways, the free prize giveaways. Just follow us to enter. That's all you have to do. And you guys can be drawn to win. And yeah, we'll do that. And it's SummerSlam, the watch-along episode. We'll announce the winners at the beginning of the show. Sound good to you, Steve? Sounds good to me, man. All right, that sounds great, guys. So you guys don't have any excuses. You got a couple weeks to tell your friends, tell your family. Get on there and follow them. Even if they don't know what wrestling is or know who Lex Luger is, but you want to win it, tell them to follow us. And then when they win, they can give you the picture. <laughs> it's just, it's just, That's it's right. simple. I'm teaching you guys how to cheat here. All we're really doing is trying to build up a couple of follows. <laughs> Maybe they'll follow us and like That's us right. as well. Speaking of following, why don't you guys go and subscribe to us on YouTube, our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. Over there, I'll be adding tons more footage. I've got a lot of things cut out and edited and ready to go from March forward in the WWF in 1993, as well as March forward in the USWA uh, concerning the WWF crossover down there in 1993 and some other good stuff on the way as well. And before we get into this, this all about Lex Luger show, it, it may be 99% about Lex Luger, but it's at least 1% about 
Virgil of the Week. And it wouldn't be an episode without a Virgil of the Week. But I got a quick one this week, guys, as we're going to move right into the Stars and Stripes Challenge. But we're going to go back to 1991. It was the fallout from SummerSlam. Virgil, the brand new million dollar champion. Let's, let's hear what Virgil had to say about defeating the million dollar man Ted DiBiase for his million dollar belt. Hey, DiBiase, open your eyes and smell the coffee, man. This is mine now. You lost it, and I won it. That's right. You always talk about you're going to send the limo. Virgil, I'm going to send the limo to you and bring you to Madison Square Garden. Guess what, man? I ran to Madison Square Garden, man. Yeah, I ran to the garden. Mm, 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 mm. Up the steps, in the locker room. I was ready, homeboy. I went right to the ring and did my thing. I left the champion, all right? And now I'm a defendant. You're going to have to kill me, man, to get it back. going to have to kill him to get it back. Mm, I don't know if it go, they go that far, but he ran to the garden, Steve. Mm, 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 mm. I don't know if that's the noise I make when I run, but that's what Virgil does, apparently. I, I like the uh, where he was like, DBS, you talked about sending the limo for me. I don't Was it like an inside joke? Did they trick Virgil into believing there was a limo coming for him? doesn't even make any sense. I don't even know what he was going at, getting, getting at there. It sounded like a NWO story. I remember him telling a story about the NWO leaving him high and dry, telling him they were going to send him a limo, and they never did at some point. But uh, yeah, it's funny. He talks about DBS. He's supposed to be sending him a limo, but why would he do that? You're 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 feuding with him. Uh, no, no, nice quick one this week, but I, I still had to get one in. Yeah, for sure, that's a good one. Good <laughs> choice. Next week, as part of the July episode of the Grenade, I will have two good pieces of Virgil of the week. They both involve him looking to go after the repo man who cost him that million dollar title. Steve, can't wait for that one. That should be interesting. It's it's. <laughs> It, that's a word. I'm sure it's. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's something. It is something, indeed. It may not be the showdown at the OK Corral, but it was the WWF versus WCW, Raw versus Nitro, the Monday Night War, the Ratings War, the NWO, the Attitude Era. While everyone discusses who won the war, it's truly the battles within the war that made this weekly episodic rivalry so exciting. We break it all down, from episode reviews to backstage news to those ever-important TV ratings. It's Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, exclusively as part of the WrestleCopia brand, available on WrestleCopia.com and all of your favorite podcast streaming apps. On behalf of the Wrestling Memory Grenade and the WrestleCopia brand, we are proud to announce our very own Patreon account. We encourage everyone to stop on over to patreon.com slash WrestleCopia and check out an amazing 14 tiers. And depending on your budget, we have everything from as little as a $1 tier to as much as a $100 tier. Get you all sorts of exciting offers. It really all depends on what offer you value the most. You can do anything from join Steve and I right here as co-host for an episode of The Grenade, all the way down to unedited versions of the show, early access to upcoming episodes, beat everyone else to the punch, see what we're saying before everyone else gets to hear it, plus my insanely detailed show notes, which I value ever so dearly. You can even pick the flick. And what that means is, if you subscribe to one of our You Pick the Flick tiers, you'll tell us, me and Steve, what show it is you want us to review. It can be a watch-along on the WWE Network, YouTube, Daily Motion. It could even be a live review of a rare show from my personal archive vault of videos at home. No promotion, no territory, no era is off limits. 
you can request anything from your favorite WrestleMania to an episode of 1982 World Class to the 60-minute classic between Jack Briscoe and Dory Funk Jr. from 1970s All Japan. Hell, if you want to put us through the misery, we'll even pull a Mystery Science Theater over here and watch Hell Comes to Frogtown starring Roddy Piper. You tell us what you want us to review, and we'll do our own little watch-along and do our best to entertain you guys and give you guys insight in the process. And it doesn't end there. There's a $5 tier, the all-access tier. Not only do you gain access to everything on every lower tier, but you'll also have complete access to our entire full library of random show reviews and watch-alongs we've done and continue to do as a side project. We review everything from the Flair Steamboat 2 out of 3 fall match from Class 6, all the way down to the Halloween 1985 edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. It's a proverbial hodgepodge of randomness, as you never know what we'll review next. And it's exclusive to the all-access tier or any of the higher tiers over at patreon.com slash wrestlecopia. Check it out now. That address again is patreon.com slash wrestlecopia. That's wrestle, C-O-P-I-A. But here it is, guy, July 4, 1993. And I remember being yeah. at my aunt and uncle's house. Which, quick memory here, Steve. And we, we talked about the update from the superstars the day prior, July 3rd, and Gorilla Monsoon mentioning that for the very first time, it's mentioned that this will not be aired on TV. This will not be broadcasted. Now, either I tune that out or I missed that part of superstars. I don't know what the deal was, but. I wasn't aware of it. As much as they've been promoting this shit, common sense would tell you this is a television program. Now, clearly it wasn't, but at the time when I woke up Sunday morning, July 4th, and I went over to my aunt and uncle's to hang out with my cousin and have steaks and shoot off fireworks and all this other good stuff, I thought we were watching the USS and the Stars and Stripes Challenge, likely on USA. That's what I told myself. It, it just seemed like the obvious thing. You just assumed it was going to be on TV. Yeah, that was my biggest thing. I was waiting for it to be on TV. I was looking around and trying to find it, and nope, couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, and we had no idea what time it was supposed to start, but I remember me and my cousin both going in her house and flipping around the channels. Hey, it's not on you. What the hell is this on USA? And and going to the, the guide, the, the old rolling guide, you had to wait because every three or four TV shows it would freeze and move again. So you had to sit there and wait and see. I don't. I, there's something wrong because I can't find it on any of the channels. But I didn't want to believe the guide, so we sat there and we flipped every channel two, three times to go back in every hour, 10, 11, noon, one, two. What, what the hell's going on? We eventually come to the conclusion that this is not going to air on TV. So we had no idea until we until the day went along. Uh, so it, it was really a shocker just as much as they built it up, all of the names, all of the big buildup on TV for this, and it, it never even aired, not in full form, and it shouldn't have because later on it, they did drop it on the network, the WWE network. I, mean, I don't think it's made the move to the Peacock, has it? I don't know if the full thing's on there. No, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I do. I remember the hidden gems. Yes, it's like five hours long. Is it five? I thought it was like three, but damn, wow, <laughs> three or four hours long, something like that of all gotcha. the Lex Express footage. No, I never watched it. It was very boring. <laughs> well, if you watch it in long form, I'm sure waiting around for guys to come out and. <laughs> Try to slam Yokozuna. It's like a three seconds a slam attempt to every like five minutes of downtime. So it's probably not the greatest thing in the world. Probably a good thing it wasn't on TV. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least at least not in live time. Maybe if they had edited, right? It down. Yeah, they should have. I should have done like a Sunday night slam or something. Do it on USA Network at night. Yeah, good call. Good call. But here we are. It's uh, highlights we see on Raw the following day, July fifth of the Stars and Stripes Challenge aboard the USS Intrepid on the Hudson River. 
Uh, Dave Meltzer claimed there was 1500 paid, which would have, he, he guesstimated that because they drew about $20,000. They had a $50 VIP ticket okay. as well, where you get like a whole tour of the boat and everything of the, of the Intrepid. And okay. so it was like, you go to the museum and everything. They, they, they was hawking that a couple weeks. Yeah. I noticed on the uh, localized promos on the New York stuff that I, that I looked through, they were, they were shilling the, the average ticket cost, which I can't remember right now. We'll get to that when we get to it. But Dave's amount was a little off for me, but he claims there's about 1,500 people aboard, and I'll take that for, for what it is. I know Dave's big on having the exact numbers, WrestleMania 3 and shit. So, uh, But before yeah, we get sure. going and we talk about Yoko and we talk about everything that happens with, with Yokozuna on the, on the aircraft carrier, let's talk a couple sentences here. I got uh, just a little bit of information for those who don't know what the USS Intrepid was, which I sure didn't at the time. It was launched in 1943, which would have been exactly 50 years before this here in 1993, uh, the aircraft ch- carrier Intrepid fought in World War II, surviving five kamikaze attacks and one torpedo strike. The ship later served in the Cold War as well as the Vietnam War. Intrepid also served as a NASA recovery vessel in the 1960s before retiring as an aircraft carrier in 1974. Since then, it's been turned into a museum here by 1993. People can, uh, can pay to board it and, and check out the Intrepid. And that's where we are here. Uh, pretty cool back history, though. That uh, five kamikaze strikes. What a, what an interesting ship uh, to have here for Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji characters. If the ship could talk, man, I'm sure it could tell some crazy stories. But uh, no, very cool. I like the military stuff, and uh, I'm a somewhat of a history buff. So, uh, yeah, very cool. Very unique uh, place to have some sort of wrestling stuff going on. And it fits in line with Vince's whole Japan versus USA thing. Which I, I don't yeah, know if does. he did that on yeah. purpose or I don't know. I don't know what the deal was there. He probably, he probably has no clue. <laughs> well, good, good call. Uh, <laughs> and now it's time, guys, for the Stars and Stripes Challenge. And making his way into the ring is the WWF champion Yokozuna, along with Mr. Fuji. He has challenged all American professional athletes to attempt to slam the now 568 pound behemoth. The winner not only gets to claim that they slammed Yokozuna, they also get a brand new 1993 red, white, and blue Chevy Silverado. And uh, I don't know that I particularly want that truck, but nothing says America like Chevy, Steve. That's right. So Chevy and a Coke, right? <laughs> and away we go <laughs> with the show. The hosts, the MCs, if you will, for this show are Todd Pettengill and the Macho Man Randy Savage in the ring, on the mic, hosting this event. As things get going, we kick things off with New York Giants running back Lee Roussan. I think it may have been him also who sang the national anthem. Not very well, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, talked, like, yeah, tried to sing the national anthem. Just brutal. Oh, my God. It was rough, and they they found the need to include that into their video package on raw by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna list down everybody they didn't show everybody the package on raw was longer than the ones in syndication and you got to see a lot more here but it still wasn't the full list of everyone who who turned up and didn't turn up to try and slam yokozuna we kick off with new york giants running backs lee Rusan and joe morris both failed philadelphia flyers that's nhl guys defenseman Sean Cronin also fails before the first WWF challenger comes at the very first wrestler. He didn't even get to announce it on TV. Bob Backlund, former nearly six year WWF champion comes out. He's going to try to slam 
Yokozuna to no avail. Would have been something if Bob shot on him, and I don't know. I don't. He still could have got him up, but <laughs> would have been interesting. He probably could have. It was my probably plan all like, along. <laughs> yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he got both feet off the off the ground, but <laughs> I don't trip. think he's gonna. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's up. gonna. He's not slamming him. No, he could, I think I think Bob could get two feet off the ground, no problem. Mm, I don't know what the girth, if it's possible. Not necessarily the weight, just the girth. But I'll tell you who didn't get Yokozuna off the ground whatsoever. It was the uh, five foot two, one hundred and pound horse jockey Julio Pazua who made his attempt next. Of course, that was all for publicity purposes. After that, the guard uh, Keith Sims from the Miami Dolphins. No luck there. Peter Taglianetti, we heard from him on Raw from the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. And then out comes the first guy who I thought could really probably get this done. It was WWF Tag Team Champion Scotty Steiner who gave it his best, but it was a no-go. He uh, shifted Yoko. Yoko stumbled back a little bit, but never got him off his feet. But yeah, if somebody could do it, it, it potentially could have been Scott Steiner. I would like to see maybe both Steiners just come out there and <laughs> shoot and st- double slam Yoko. Would have been would have been interesting. Who's going to stop him? Uh, Charlotte Hornets first round pick. Scott Burrell comes out. He gets into the ring and says he's going to slam Yokozuna before he just decides to back off and he leaves. Again, more publicity there for the Charlotte Hornets. Then it's Miami Dolphins yeah. running back Mark Higg. You got anything to add there, Steve? No, I was just going to say uh, no way Charlotte would sign off on him trying to slam him. No way. <laughs> I don't want to give out like, the back, especially with heading into the <laughs> first round pick going into the NBA season in a month, and he blows out his back. Yeah, doing some stupid shit. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> uh, after the Miami Dolphins running back Mark Higg fails, it's time for a rice break. Rice, rice, baby. Rice, rice, baby. Because nothing says Japanese like having a rice break. <laughs> in, in the middle of a uh, giant bowl, <laughs> yeah, a shit. gigantic bowl of rice, which he eats with <laughs> chopsticks. But of course, uh, so keep getting those stereotypes coming there, Vince McMahon. Uh, who, who came up with that one? Uh, we continue on after the five-minute rice break with Buffalo Bills defense lineman, defensive lineman Gary Baldinger, also a fail. Tatanka out next, and he's the first real cheater of the night. Steve, I gotta say, I was really disappointed. As Tatanka just attacks Yokozuna like it's a wrestling match. Runs into a thrust kick, though. Pays for those chops, as he should have. And Yoko even drops the big leg across the head of Tatanka. And that's what you get. Uh, and I questioned it. Does this make Tatanka now defeated? He, he failed to slam Yokozuna. I don't even know if he attempted to slam Yokozuna. He was too busy throwing those damn chops. He failed to win the IC title, too. But they're still pushing it. So the rules were never clearly stated. You just got to slam Yoko however you do it. So if he wants to chop the shit out of him a couple times and then get destroyed, then that's on him. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, if you wanted to chop the shit out of him, that's fine, but it didn't work out. <laughs> Got his head exactly. <laughs> So Exactly. The show goes on, though, with George Martin from the New York Giants. A lot of Giants here because we're in New York, so it's really easy for them to commute. Uh, George Martin, though, another failure. And former Giant and current radio host Billy Taylor comes out and decides he does not even want to attempt this because Yokozuna looks too mean. Steve, so another guy who backs off without even trying. Uh, throughout the contest, I should mention, this. Uh, at this point, this is either the second or third time in the contest, Bobby Heenan will come in and kind of rile the crowd up, because we all know Bobby's there. He'll get in the ring and get on the mic just for a moment and say, nobody can slam Yokozuna. Why do these guys keep trying? And at this point, Bobby's out again, and he riles the crowd up once more. 
crapping on America and putting over Yokozuna and uh, the future of the WWF. And nobody's going to do this. They should just shut this down right now. But we continue on. Former Falcon and current at the time, Detroit Lion and WrestleMania II Battle Royal guy. That's Bill Freilich, for those who don't know. Freilich gets one leg up. So they show their respect for Freilich, allowing him to kind of lift Yoko off the mat. Uh, Freilich does get one leg up, which gets a pop from the crowd, but he can't get the job done either. Out next, Joey Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's your guys right there, the Eagles. I don't know if you were watching the Eagles no. back in 93, but it is what no. it is. <laughs> no luck for that was it. Joey Smith. <laughs> and out next, another Joey Never Smith. heard of the guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, we practice squad, dude. So we've seen Bob Backlund. We've seen Tatanka fail miserably. Scott Steiner came out and gave it what he gave it what he could, but here he is. It's it's the big guy, Rick Steiner, the older of the Steiner brothers. He's out next. And Steiner lines. Yes, Steiner lines on Yokozuna makes him rock. Rick doesn't even try to slam him. He tries to give Yokozuna a belly-to-belly suplex, and it just wasn't happening. He wasn't lifting 568 pounds from under the arms, Steve. So Rick Steiner gave it a go, but no luck. But that would have been fun. I would have liked to have seen Rick Steiner versus Yoko in a match on TV somewhere. Yeah, I would have too. That would have been a nice little TV match. And as we head into the home stretch, James Campen of the Green Bay Packers, we heard from him as well last week on TV. He fails, as does Miami Dolphins' Jim Jensen. I should point out this point. Remember Kenny Anderson was announced as being part of this? He doesn't even show up. He's not there. So it, I don't know what the deal was with that, but he doesn't even commute. And he's, he's not that far away. He just decides no. not, not to show up. Uh, up it's next is uh, the biggest shock of the, of the day up to this point. And I really popped for this, Steve, even though he wasn't really getting pushed too well, was Crush, Shaka Bra Brada. Crush comes out and lifts Yokozuna up off the ground. Technically, if he had dropped him, it might have been counted as a body slam. I don't really know, but Crush gets Yoko up with, and I know Yoko's helping, don't get me wrong, but Crush gets him up with a little bit of ease compared to anybody else here. He gets both feet off the ground. Very impressive. Showing by Crush gets a nice little pop there. I thought he might have done it. And and honestly, in watching this as I was watching this for the very first time on that episode of Raw, and I'm going back to '93, I was I was all aboard the Crush Express when he when I thought he was gonna slam him there. Like it would have worked. It might have short term, it might have worked. Yeah, it could it would have been that extra ump to get him over the hump a little bit, but it wasn't in the cards, I guess. Yeah, They've getting, seen enough of him to realize that they, <laughs> he wasn't gonna be that guy. Getting beat up by Doink for six months just uh I think that was it. Never getting a clear, decisive win over Doink is another thing, too. So, yeah, poor Crush. But that's not all. If you thought Crush was the last man up, no. Macho Man Randy Savage still to come. But first, Bobby Heenan back out again to stir up the pot just a little bit more. Bobby Heenan on the mic says, he was right. He told you. Nobody could slam Yokozuna. But Macho Man corrects Bobby Heenan. Wait a minute, brother. I'm not done yet. Uh It's my turn. Macho Man is up next. And, ugh. Uh, a big fail, epic fail on the part of the Macho Man who really does, doesn't even seem to put a lot of effort into it. Just a couple of quick scoop slam attempts. Doesn't even move uh, Yokozuna. So I guess at this point we're at, uh, fuck you, America, I guess. Right, Steve? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Um, <laughs> but as uh, as the, the show continues, uh, wait a minute, Steve. What's, what's, what's that up in the sky? <laughs> Is it a bird? Is it a plane? 
No, guys, it's Superman. No, it's not Superman. It's a helicopter. I was wrong. So it wasn't a plane. It was a helicopter. My bad, guys. Uh, so we have a helicopter in the sky. Todd Pettengill is somehow informed there is one more challenger, Steve. And who could it be? We have one more challenger. He's landing down in the helicopter. Do you know what I was saying right now here in 1993? I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> well, I thought it was Hulk Hogan, as did most of the fans on the, on the USS Intrepid. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, fuck no. Please, no. God, no. He gets a fucking helicopter. No. Uh, luckily for me and, and, and everyone who was not a big Hogan fan, which seemed to be most people in 1993, another fellow steps off the helicopter instead. Oh, my God, Steve. It's the Patriot of all Patriots. It's the narcissist Lex Luger. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is going on? Perfect time to play this one. Wham, bam. What the fuck just happened? I had no idea what the hell I was supposed to make of this. Wasn't he just the narcissist 24 hours ago? Wasn't he the guy who loved to say, Lex, can I have your autograph? No, you can't. 24 hours ago, he was the narcissist Lex Luger. He was in love with himself. He was looking at himself in a mirror on superstars. And here we are just 24 hours later, and he's coming out of a helicopter in jeans and a red, white, and blue shirt. And initially, uh, the crowd was confused. I I felt by the noise. uh, I was confused. A lot of people in the crowd yelling Hogan and, and things like that. They were thinking what I was thinking, only... I was really getting angry as I was watching this, but instead it was Lex Luger. And as he makes his way from the helicopter to the ring, he's stopped by Bobby Heenan, the man who introduced him on TV into the world, the man who loved his body at the Royal Rumble, Bobby Heenan standing by that red, white, and blue Chevy. Luger just shoves him aside. Get out of my way, Bobby Heenan. And that really got Luger over with the fans. It shows that, Hey, he's made this baby face turn. I don't know. I don't know if I can get past everything immediately, but. The WWF thinks they can they can make you get past it here. As Luger steps into the ring, gets the big pop, Fuji informs him the contest is over, and he arrived too late to try and slam Yokozuna. Luger responds, Fuji is a cancer to the WWF and says that there this I love this line. There's nothing wrong with America. What's wrong with America is people like you. So he says there's nothing wrong with America. What's wrong with America is people like you, blood sucking leeches like Mr. Fuji. Luger then grabs Fuji and tosses him through the ropes and rips off his shirt and flexes because that's what I'm going to do when I represent America. Maybe a little bit of narcissist sure. left there, but I love Fuji. I'm going to give him credit for his uh, bad off as he was physically here. He really took that that bump through the ropes to the floor in stride trying to get this angle over. So I'll give him that credit. Yeah, he took a nice little bump there. Uh, about I think it might be his last bump in, in, in the business. I, I don't know. Good call, but, but uh, Luger, he Luger did it for Luger Fuji. to yeah. get him over. Yeah, to get him over. Did the best he could. So as Fuji gets dumped, that uh, that upsets the WWF champion Yokozuna. Luger gets in Yoko's face. They square off in the middle of the ring, ex- uh, exchanging some words. And, and Luger says something along the lines of, uh, "Are you ready, big boy?" or something like that. And Yokozuna comes charging at him, but rushes into the buckle instead. Then he turns around into Lex Luger's bionic forearm. And yes, he gets him up. Luger goes to pick up Yokozuna. He gets him up. Yes, he slammed him. He slammed Yokozuna. Yeah. (laughs) We have a new hero here. 
in the WWF, a new hero for the United States of America. It's Lex Luger. What the hell is going on? The narcissist just in love with himself just 24 hours ago. Now he loves his country. Our new hero made in the USA, Steve, is Lex Luger. As he is now the, 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 big, uh, the big guy on campus, the new big baby face. What the hell is going on? Five minutes ago, I thought this guy was like an asshole heel. Now he's like, he loves America? When the fuck did this happen? It beats the hell out of me. Maybe on that helicopter ride over. <laughs> bought into it. Have, it. Might, I, have, I don't, might have to think that helicopter pilot. We'll get to that in a little bit here in some of these other notes. Right, yeah. Yeah. The good thing for me is I was young enough to be stupid still. So like it didn't matter who slammed him. I was going to pop for it because I didn't really care. Well, I popped for the slam. Got, yeah. As long as somebody got him down, like I didn't think too deep into it. Like, oh my god, this is the the narcissist. I guess uh, the positive thing, which is weird, because it, it's a negative leading up to this. But they did absolutely nothing with Lex Luger other than that elbow gimmick. That was it. Like he didn't do. He had no really big feuds that lasted long outside of Mr. Perfect. And there's really nothing to that. It was just a right a match more than anything. So it wasn't like it was some you know, really intense heated feud that you could get over on. He's been doing nothing since WrestleMania, like just complete garbage at nothing. So the fact that he hasn't been doing anything, he hasn't done anything totally dastardly, like killing somebody, you know, like a real hot angle where he really beat the brakes off somebody to get that real heel heat. So like, they didn't have a lot to overcome here. It's just, they finally, they gave him something different. Like we're going to switch it up here. So I was cool with it. I didn't mind it. It's always cool to see a guy like that get slammed. Like, just like seeing Andre get slammed by Hogan, it's impressive. So it's it's always cool to see a somewhat smaller guy pick up a big guy and just slam him. I mean, it never gets old. Very cool spot and very nice way to get somebody over. Yeah, and I mean, just going back and watching it, once I got over the initial confusion of what the hell I'm watching here, you know, obviously I popped for the slam at the time, and... I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. I don't know if it was that week, the week after, or, you know, whatever the deal was. But I was like, eh, whatever, here we go. <laughs> and, and, you know, just here we go. It's, it's baby face Lex Luger. Okay. But, yeah, initially it's like this makes no sense. This is the last guy in the entire company I would expect to defend America because he just loved himself so much. But here we are. And I guess Vince McMahon's theory here was – he did it for America, so fuck yeah, don't question it. Because patriotism and shit, pal. And on July 4, no less, nobody's going to question this. So here we are. It's made in the USA, Lex Luger. The other the other competition joined Luger in the ring. That's the Steiners and the Macho Man, guys of that nature, and celebrate with his, uh, he celebrates with his WCW buddies, the Steiners, who actually lift him up in the air while he waves the American flag around. What a sight to see. Macho Man gets on the microphone, congratulates Luger after the slam, then asks him how it feels to slam Yokozuna. Luger said it felt great. Then he grabbed the American flag and continued to wave it around, even grabbed two flags and waved them around as the Steiners again lift them up in the air, and the Star-Spangled Banner began to play, because fucking America, fuck yeah. Vince McMahon, the patriot of all patriots. It's like fucking Bill Belichick and Tom Brady rolled into one. <laughs> Cheater and all. Shit. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So before we move on and we talk about Lex Luger and the Lex Express and all that good stuff, a couple of fun notes coming out of this USS Intrepid Body Slam Challenge. First one involving Yokozuna. 
Uh, apparently, it was uh, Bruce Pritchard said on one of his podcasts when he talked about this whole Stars and Stripes challenge, he said it was an extremely hot day, which a lot of guys have talked about, over 100 degrees, I believe, uh, in New York City. And uh, Yokozuna, actually, if you watch some of the clips, he'll kind of move around, keep his feet moving at all times. Uh, Yokozuna kept dancing around the ring because his feet were burning. Obviously, he had the bare feet with the tape uh, because his feet were burning on the mat from the sun hitting the mat for so long. Because Mr. Fuji had played a rib on Yokozuna and kicked his shoes out of the ring so that Yoko couldn't take breaks and actually put shoes on. So Fuji, the ever-so-dirty prankster. Ugh, I'd been pissed. I would tell him to go fetch my rice and <laughs> fetch my damn sandals. I would have went and got him myself if it was that bad. Yosh! Yeah, that's my, true, too. Where's like, my shoes? Like It would be weird, though. You see his big ass like climb out <laughs> of the ring when he's just waiting for challengers to come and slam him like <laughs> that'd been bad so fuji would have been at the one to get it fuji son so, um, go get my shoes you want banzai, banzai. Get my shoes. <laughs> yeah so that was a, a rib uh from fuji to yoko on the other end luger got a rib of his own but not necessarily on purpose it was just something he had to deal with uh you go back to the uh, kayfabe commentaries 1993 timeline of the wwf uh lex luger is actually the guy on that episode of the kayfabe commentaries luger states that he had to board the helicopter, which landed him on the USS Intrepid earlier on in the day. And so he was on board while the pilot was performing various stunts prior to the body slam challenge. Uh, so uh, Luger said he was very nervous and scared the entire time up there in the sky. That's why I made that joke earlier. Maybe maybe that helicopter pilot turned him into an American uh, but, <laughs> uh, Luger, I'm yeah, sure it's so, been quite the experience. Uh, yeah. A little bit fun. I'm sure I'm not sure. everybody Did can he say know he's got to. I don't believe. I don't know. I, I wonder if he said like. I wonder if they told him like, "Hey, you just got to get in the helicopter now. They got things to do, so you got to board early." Or did they tell him like, "Hey, this dude's about to do some stunts for the crowd. Um, be prepared." Like, did, did the guy rib him who told me he had to get in the helicopter now? Like, <laughs> who knows? That would be kind of cool, but I'd have to know that that's what's coming. But instead of just being tossed in a helicopter and then this shit just starts happening, I couldn't imagine the feeling there. So we saw the whole body slam challenge. We saw some of the other wrestlers make attempts. Some of the other uh, American professional athletes make their attempts. Lex Luger comes in and he slams Yokozuna. He's been given the Hulk Hogan torch without Hulk Hogan actually passing that torch. Big shocker there. So the big question out of all of this has to be, did he get that red, white, and blue truck? That's my takeaway from this entire body slam challenge. Do you think he got that truck? I'd never even thought about it if he got the <laughs> truck. I just assumed he did, but I'm going to guess no. I don't I, think he yeah, got it. I would go with no, too. I think it's all a publicity gimmick. Like They, they determined Luger was going to do this. This is, this is rigged, people. So you can't, you can't you rig a contest Lex and give a truck Luger. away. I hope they donated it to something or someone. But yeah. Do you, th- you think Lex Luger... Would drove drive a red, white, and blue Chevy, Chevy pickup, but no. the dude had like a. If you read his biography, this dude had the cars of cars. He was always driving in like Mercedes and Porsches and doing like 120 to get to the gym in time and gets pulled over by the cops. And like, it, he ain't driving a Chevy pickup. That ain't happening. And you wonder why 95% so like, of the roster hated him. <laughs> like in 93 or just like, in, in his, like entire his entire career? career. Yeah, he really only had that one dude. He had Sting in his corner, and that was about it. I, I don't know how Sting put up with this shit. <laughs> but to be honest, dude, if you like I said, if you read his book, he kind of mentioned that there was a falling out party between part between him and Sting. Mm-hmm. 
And it took him years to become friends again. Like once he got saved and everything, that's when they kind of became buddies again. But even Sting left left his side, and uh, I yeah, don't know. Even, just a even the Stinger can only take, <laughs> take so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, you get called out in front of everybody for you know. I guess they used to do drugs and drink right after the shows, like sure. this party. Right. And Sting was like, "I'm not partaking," and Luger got pissed off that he, he said, "What do you mean you're not doing this? You used to do it all the time with me. What you're not doing it now?" And Sting's like, "No, I'm done. I don't do that stuff no more. It's time to grow up." And Luger got pissed off because he thought he uh, showed him up in front of the boys. So that was it. Yeah, for well, their relationship for a while. At least, so. at least there's anyway. a happy ending to that story. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back to the intrepider here. The intrepider, yes. <laughs> oh, intrepida. <laughs> you mean the USS Intrepid? Ah, <laughs> oh, very good, boy, son. So, I, we already talked about our thoughts then. Like, like you said, you were too young to really care whether he was a heel or what the gimmick was or whatever. You were just happy somebody. It was something cool, a great sight to see. And my perspective initially was, what the fuck is that? The narcissist. I mean, I remember watching that. I think at least one of my cousins were around when I was watching that. We had the same exact, what the fuck? But once he gets to the ring, it's like, I don't care who he is. He, you know, we go in there, we get, it's, it hypes you up. You get to see that it's like the, the money in the bank cash in, at least back when I cared about it anyway. You, you know, even when Jack Swagger cashed it in, that crowd popped because they got to see yeah. something you don't see every day. And it was, it was just exactly. the way Luger slamming Yoko was not only the first time, it was the first, First of what two times ever him and Ahmed I think Ahmed slams him twice, and, that, and that's pretty much that's pretty much the deal. So uh, it's where we are now. So we talked about what we thought about it back when it happened. Looking back on it in today's world, how do you feel about the angle overall? Do you think it was like really well done, or or do you think it was kind of passe as far as using the patriotism thing and, and anti Japanese? I'm just curious of your thoughts. The only way I can really talk about my thoughts now is not just talk about this, but I got to roll in SummerSlam. I know it's a, we're, we're a couple weeks away from that watch along, but to me, like I felt like, and this is this is a microcosm of Lex Luger's entire career. For whatever reason, people they were just afraid to pull the trigger, like just go all in. You made your bed, sleep in it, and give this dude the opportunity. I, I think, like, I, I honestly think, like, the Body Slam Challenge was good. The Lex Express was a good idea. This goes to show if Vince wants to pour money into something to make it work, it, it has the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. And you can see the, the, the benefits of having money to try and make something work. Uh, it kind of goes against everything that's ever been done in wrestling as far as organically people get over. Nobody's really forced to get over because it doesn't work so like my my whole thing is i feel like i feel like now like we in revisionist history we look back and say it was a success if he won the title at SummerSlam. the fact that he didn't win the title at SummerSlam, it negates every single thing that happened in the month of july leading in in august leading into SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. like it just it makes it all for not and it was a complete waste of time and waste of money and resources and everything if you're not gonna pull the trigger why are you doing this? And so that's how I look at it now. I was like, it was a complete wasted opportunity uh, of Lex Luger. And I get it. He it's, it's just from reading the things of how he is and how this, this, this stuff went and he wasn't really into it and he didn't want to get off the bus and he didn't like living on the bus and all that stuff. And just, this wasn't, this isn't what he 
was or who he was. And um, so I get it. I understand that. But I also think, too, the eye test is everything. If, you, if you're not going to pull the trigger on the dude winning the title, then what the hell do you just waste everybody's time? Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait to get to some of that other stuff because I do have some other notes I want to go through here real quick before I talk about some of the stuff that happens near the end of this whole thing that starts here on the on the uh, intrepid. But I just going back to the intrepid part, it was very clever. I don't know where the it might have been mentioned by Bruce Pritchard in the past or Jim Ross. I'm not. I can't remember everything I've I've heard over time, but where the idea of this whole challenge came from, they may have stolen it from something. I don't mean wrestling related, just something in general like an idea through, for, that took place somewhere else some other time and said, hey, what if we did that and made it a body slam? I don't really know how all of that came about, but I'm also curious exactly how far in advance they knew that this was this was they were doing Luger because it didn't seem like it was all that so- soon. I mean, he was still knocking Tatanka out post-match at King of the Ring two or three weeks ago. And, and, right. and you know, and obviously the tapings with the matches, like the match that just aired the day before on Superstars. Now that was taped several weeks ago, so I'll give him a buy on that. But it's very interesting. You think to try the, uh, to this? I wonder if the challenge itself was in place. Just who was going to get the slam was up in the air. And I think once Hogan did his shit after King of the Ring, that well, I, w- I would have to like, imagine that was the initial plan. Was Hogan was going to be on that helicopter, brother? I'm yeah. I'm shocked. Like, I'm shocked Hogan turned that down. Oh yeah, that like, screams Hogan. But he, it's all the stuff that follows. Yeah, You're not going to be champion, Hulk Hogan, and that's that's probably the big no no there. I mean, that if that's the whole end game is like whoever does this isn't going to be champion. It's staying on Yoko. Then why are you doing this? No, no, I'm not saying Hogan because will if, win the belt back, maybe or whatever. They, whatever they have planned down the line, SummerSlam beyond. I don't. I don't know. I'm not even going to go well, that. Well, that's far. what I mean. Like, but I, like but if I, you're going to do like this there's clear, challenge. He was already clearly not over with the fans. You've mentioned that repeatedly, Hogan. I mean, he felt yeah, it. You yeah. thought he felt that going all the way back to basically January or whatever that was. It was pretty obvious. He's even said in recent years that it was a bad idea to even grab that belt that time. So he just wasn't feeling it. I don't think. I think he thought he had some great stuff coming up in Hollywood, brother, with Thunder in Paradise and Mister Nanny and all that good stuff and. Yeah, it just seemed like he had his eyes in Hollyweird and not so much here in the WWF, and he probably didn't like the, the plans. Like, I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, you're going to go on board, and you're going to save America and slam Yokozuna. That sounds like Hulk Hogan all day long. Yeah, brother. Yeah, fuck yeah, I am. Uh, so it just shows you how disenchanted uh, Hogan was at this point. And I think, according to some other podcasts like Bruce Pritchard's, that this is one of those periods where Hogan and Vince were not seeing eye to eye on, on a lot of things. Hogan still saw himself as the uh, late '80s Hulk Hogan, and Vince kind of realized he wasn't. So yeah, I I agree with all that. I just so like if Hogan was told, yeah, man, we're gonna put you on this helicopter, you're gonna go slam Yoko, and then it's gonna lead to a match at SummerSlam just for you to do the job. Like uh, this seems like a a pretty big extravaganza <laughs> to to lose. Well, like, we I, get somebody else that slams Yokozuna and goes to SummerSlam, doesn't win the title. That's, so. <laughs> that's what I'm wondering, though. So it's like, if this whole thing was set up just to slam Yokozuna, that way he gets his revenge at SummerSlam? Like, I, th- that seems like backwards. Like, yeah. I, I feel like this, whoever slammed him, whether it be Hogan, I mean, I'm glad it's not Hogan, because if the, to me, like I was going to say, is whoever did this, is the next in line to be the champion because we're just trained to know 
Vince McMahon doesn't run around with heel champions very long. It's a transition type champion for the heels back then. And next thing you know, Yoko gets a damn near year run title run. And it's like, uh, why did you do the body slam challenge to build up a guy to be the next big Hulk Hogan type character? And then you just don't ever pull the trigger on it. I, I don't know, man. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. This seems like a waste of time if that was the end game, just for Yoko to get revenge at SummerSlam. So now we're going to look into some notes here. I got some from the Observer. I got some from the Torch. I may even be a little out of order here in my notes, so bear with me, guys. I might talk a little bit about the Lex Express and then move backwards for a minute. Uh, just took a bunch of different little notes here I wanted to go through. Uh, Meltz noted that the Body Slam Challenge on the Intrepid did nearly $20,000. $20,000 they made. I don't know what they had to do. I don't know if it was publicity, so they didn't have to pay uh, who, who, the the government or whoever gets paid for the Intrepid deal or what the deal was. But uh, maybe they walked out with twenty grand here, just people standing around watching celebrity or uh, athletes try and try and slam Yoko and then getting the big the big finish with Lex Luger. The whole scenario, Demelt says, of Lex Luger though at children's hospitals and kissing babies and being friendly to wrestling fans is hilarious to everyone who has formerly worked with Luger. It's probably going to be more effective than a traditional wrestling push, although a report from the Saturday Night Show in Philadelphia, when they brought up the Lex Express, we'll talk about that soon, said it got no reaction with the fans other than fans thinking they were shoving Lex down their throats. However, when he made the save later on in the card, I believe he saves Bret Hart from a bonsai drop, the crowd popped big for Luger, so it might be working, says DeMeltz. I'll read on a little bit here. He says, I started on July 4th, and as will, as will be made obvious, over the next several weeks, the WWF has decided to go all the way with Lex Luger. The July 4th Stars and Stripes Challenge gimmick, an idea originally to set up Yokozuna's opponent for SummerSlam, changed in nature when Hulk Hogan decided to pull out of the WWF. The decision was made to take Luger, who some wrestling experts had been tabbing as the next Hulk Hogan, almost from the day he debuted way back in late 1985, and give him the biggest push the promotion has ever given a wrestler since Hogan's initial push and return in late 1983. Many feel that Hogan's lack of drawing power upon his return this year signaled the end for pushing him as the promotion's major star, and there is considerable question as to if he'll ever return to the WWF. While details are sketchy at press time, apparently Luger will be pulled off the road on the house shows until SummerSlam on August 30th in Auburn Hills, Michigan, when he faces Yokozuna for the title and gets to begin his reign as the focal point and top baby face of the promotion. Okay, so it says Luger and Yokozuna will also be feature matches coming off of SummerSlam. They're scheduled for a run in the fall and early winter at all the house shows. In the interim, Luger will be sent on a tour bus, the Lex Express, and go from major city to major city doing a local media tour, which will be put together by a former rock and roll promoter with extensive experience in this genre. This will be an expensive and some say desperate attempt to turn him into a mainstream celebrity in just two months' time because it's questionable if using traditional wrestling promotion methods that he'll be able to become a celebrity as fast as Hogan did, although turning him into a heavily cheered babyface is a piece of cake. But the mainstream appeal is needed because right now a double main event of Luger versus Yoko and Hart versus Lawler won't be able to do much of a buy rate. Nor right now does Luger have the kind of appeal needed to carry the company on his back. The Lex Express tour date starts July 15th in Stamford, Connecticut, 
and finishes August 30th at SummerSlam in Michigan. Whether the choice of Luger for the role was the right choice can be debated, Steve, but to the WWF's credit, they are sparing no expense and came up with a creative angle, although heavily xenophobic in nature, with the Body Slam Challenge and the tour in order to make the choice a home run. So Demeltz is debating if this is going to pay off or not. This uh, call-to-action campaign, this Lex Express, if you will, uh, touring the, the United States, a lot of times even stopping in the town where they're doing a house show that day so Luger can appear on that show as well. Kind of smart in that de- department as well. So Lex Luger on this Lex Express tour. Yeah, this is definitely uh, different. It's just amazing, man. They, it, so September 4th, July 4th to the 15th, in 11 days they put all this together. And maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Like you said, we don't know when this came to came to a head and when Luger was decided as being the guy. But uh, like I said, man, when they put their money in mind to something, they can really, really push it heavy and go hard. And and for 93, like this was pretty wild. It was crazy. I think my sister said she actually seen the bus on the highway. Like she was going somewhere and uh, with my cousin, I think. And she saw the, she said, she called me and she said she saw the Lex Express. So uh, pretty cool. I mean, the the thing is, is the guy in the bus buying into it. That's, that's the biggest thing. That, that's that's what matters most, and history tells us I don't think so. Yeah, and we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. i got a couple more paragraphs here to read over before we get to that. Demelt says, as one person close to the scene surmised, this is either going to be a major success or a total failure, but nothing in between. Luger has been, this is a good point here by Demelts, by the way, I'll give him this credit. Luger has been pushed both as a rookie in Florida and later on and off with WCW as the focal point of the promotion before with a noticeable lack of success in both cases, unlike Hogan, who had already proven to be a huge drawing card in Japan and the AWA before getting his chance with the WWF. However, unlike the Ultimate Warrior and Sid Vicious, who in one case was given the chance to replace Hogan as the top star and in the originally would have been given the chance Luger seems a lot more mature and stable than than a warrior or a Sid so the chance of him walking out in the middle of his opportunity appears minimal if at all there was certainly the questioning of replacing Hulk Hogan with another blonde-haired muscle man as opposed to trying to go with something completely different to avoid the obvious comparisons Bret Hart being the obvious choice here says Demelt however as history has shown the WWF was built on muscles the public has been brainwashed to believe the physique equals ring ability and attempts to push actual ring ability ring ability last fall met with the worst run of business in company history. So he's shitting on Brett's run there. I'm sure he's not shitting on Brett's ability. Uh, Luger's incredible genetics are such that he looks as physically, physically impressive off steroids as all but as few wrestlers do on them. And is really the only wrestler left in the company who can be pushed sans steroids on his physique alone. So Demelts makes a few points here. He's pointing out that Hogan was over before he came to the WWF. He had huge, well, he was over in Japan, but Demelts would have to point that out. Let's look at the AWA. Hulkamania was running wild. People don't realize Hulkamania was running wild in the AWA before Vince snagged him up and brought him to New York wow. City. And so, Insane. yeah, it was, it was crazy. And that's how Hogan brought Gene and Bobby and Ventura and, and whoever he could else, Schultz at the time and guys like that over uh, with him to help continue to, you know, get him, get him over and who, guys he knew he, they could do the job. But Luger here, he's starting from scratch. This narcissist gimmick has been garbage from the beginning. 
he's not over whatsoever here. Six months run into the company, and they're they're really starting from scratch here. Other than we we've seen Luger on TV, so at least the fans know who he is. But I I do also agree with Dave that Luger far more dependable than a Sid Vicious who may have to leave to go play softball or the Ultimate Warrior who is just a, a nut job. Yeah, definitely. You don't really have any concerns there with Luger. The physique aspect, uh, yeah, he's right there. It is what you expect, and it's what you just accustomed to seeing is just big dudes. I'm not. I never really correlated size to being able to work better. I, I you know, '93 was really the first year that I watched all like beginning to end, and just what got me hooked. So I seen Bret Hart, and I like. I know that's what that's what a good wrestler is. I seen Shawn Michaels, and I can say that's what a good wrestler is. Uh, so size and look doesn't really matter to me. Like I enjoy Hulk Hogan. It's not because he's a 300 pound dude. It's just, I don't know. Like when you hear a crowd go nuts for somebody and the, just him just having everything in the palm of his hand when he's out there, just make, it's just cool to see. It doesn't matter who that person is uh, to me. If they're over and they, they have that reaction and that relationship with the crowd, then it, it's special and you want to be around it. So it doesn't size doesn't matter to me. It never really did. So yeah, I, the problem is, is he talks about Luger never, never working. Well, the problem is, is nobody ever gave him the chance. You could say he was pushed as this top person, but we talked about it on the grenade from, from 89, how there was nobody more over than Luger for the majority of that run. And if Sting didn't get hurt, uh, you know, he's going to turn, he's going to be the top heel and he's going to go after that belt from Sting. That would have been one hell of a feud. And I think, the fact that Ric Flair never put him over, never wanted to do the job to him, and then he got a title when Luger was, when Flair left, that felt useless. Uh, you know, it didn't feel like it was a big win at all when he beat Barry Windham. So he never, nobody, like I said, nobody ever pulled the trigger on him, and nobody gave him that opportunity. And I know it comes back to him as a person and the way he was, and people just didn't want to do business with him, and I get that, but. Is it his fault as far as like the business side of it goes? Personal side, yes, it is. But business, is it? I, I don't know. I can't. I can't say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, with Luger here in '93, just some of the matches I've seen on the DVDs, the unreleased, the hidden gems, this, that, and the other. He wasn't having good matches with anybody from Mister Perfect, and I don't just mean WrestleMania Nine. I mean whatever else out there in the handhelds and things. To Bret Hart. I mean they were just, eh. They were there. So Lex, I don't remember Lex ever having one good great, whatever you want to call it, match in his entire WWF run here. So as far as wrestling goes, obviously, I mean, even if Luger was okay, he wasn't going to be as good as Bret Hart as far as wrestling goes. But I don't think that really helps him here either as far as uh, he's not being, he's not going to be able to work with just anybody. He, Like you said, right. he needs somebody to, to help make the match good, which is another reason why those matches with Yokozuna, eh. And I'm not trying to shit on Yoko, but, you know, he gets bigger, he gets winded. He's got a few solid moves, but he's they're not having a clinic. They're not they're not boom, boom, boom around the ring or anything like that. And Yeah. I think the other thing too is that hurt Lex Luger in this position is the fact that we did get a Bret Hart title run, even though it was only a few months, like the seeds were kinda of already there that they were gonna to transition to a more work rate type guilt deal. Mm-hmm. And so like when you see people love Bret Hart, he's over. He's not Hogan over, but he's over to the crowd that they have left. The fact that we've seen that and know what good wrestling is and what fun and entertaining matches are and, and that sort of stuff. And then you go to Luger, who, like you said, hasn't put on a good match since he's been in the WWE. Hell, he hasn't put on a good match probably since Wrestle War 90. 
he's had, so, some, he's had some okay matches uh, beyond beyond that. I mean, the Spivey the matches with, and things like that. Uh, some of those other pay per views with Sting, the Steiners. Yeah. Sure. So I mean, yeah, like you, I even like the Ron Simmons match at Halloween Havoc, but um, I just he hasn't had a good match, and it's like, man, this dude sucks. So it's like. We already had this with Hogan. We don't want this again with somebody else, you know. So it's it's just a rough spot to pass. It's just like picking up where the goat left off, I guess, and that's hard to do for anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. At this point, they had the choice of going back to Brett or moving forward with a new Hulk Hogan, which is what Hulk Hogan or what Vince McMahon wanted. That's already been stated by Pritchard, by Jim Ross. I hate to keep going back to those guys, but they've done podcast episodes specifically on this whole Lex Luger thing here. So I, I'm getting a, some of my information just from memory of listening to those episodes when they came out way back when. And their general consensus was, for the most part, outside of Vince, this was Vince's idea, top to bottom. And you can tell that because it's all about patriotism and all that good stuff too. But it's also about the muscle-bound Lex Luger. And this was, Vince thought he had the next Hulk Hogan. He truly believed he had the next Hulk Hogan. And Based on some of those other guys, Bruce and Jim, even Jim Ross, the majority of the others working underneath Vince were basically telling him, I don't think this is going to work. The guys who'd been with Luger and WCW kind of came to Vince and said, uh, you know, I know this guy pretty well. I don't know about this, but I'm not telling you don't do it. I'm just telling you, you know, eh, I don't know. And then the guys working there, Bruce Pritchard's even said he's met with Luger in recent years. He's a changed guy. They get along. You know, he buried the hatchet, but back then he couldn't stand Luger because Luger was everything that we hear Luger, Luger was. And <laughs> nobody was a big fan of his. And I guess even like uh, Jim Ross, and I remember in his specific podcast, talked about Gorilla Monsoon. He actually named him by name that Gorilla told Vince, you know, I don't I don't think this is the guy, Vince. It didn't sound like Gorilla told Vince ever like what to do. Not that he, Vince would listen, but it just sounded like he gave him his opinion. And he kind of said, I don't think this is going to work, but do whatever. Cause as Jim Ross kind of said, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't really remember exactly his words, but Gorilla really didn't give a shit at this point. Like, you do whatever you're going to do. I'll continue to do my job to the best of my ability, but I'll, I'm out of this shit. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so uh, Gorilla was kind of maybe uh, disenchanted with some of the, uh, the crap going on, <laughs> maybe behind the scenes, but certainly on TV, I would have to imagine here by 1993. But Gorilla even told Vince, too, that, yeah, I don't think this is your guy. I don't see Luger really being able to do this. And this all started as, like I like I just said, Vince, this is the next Hogan. He's getting the belt. We're going to give him the belt at SummerSlam. And somewhere along the way, it so sounds, if I remember correctly, early on in the Lex Express tour, the general consensus was, yeah, he's not getting the belt. So this wasn't something that they decided SummerSlam, the day of SummerSlam or the day before SummerSlam. This was kind of decided at some point during the actual call to action campaign, the old Lex Express tour, because as you said earlier, it's been reported by so many different people. Luger didn't want to get off the bus in certain towns to greet people and meet people and deal with people because Lex, can I have your autograph? No, you can't. But now he has to say, yes, you can. And he doesn't want to do that. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> he's a he's a superstar, Steve. You talked about the cars he drove. He doesn't want to live on a fucking bus. I don't care how nice it is. And it was nice for the, the time. Bus is nice, though. Yes. That bus is nice. Uh, he had a, he had a gym bus. on that bus, Steve. I mean, I probably wasn't a very big gym, but he could do some things. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
It probably has a few mirrors in there. And, yeah, uh, but there were days where he said, can't I just please stay at a hotel tonight, like a, a nice, you know, a nice top of the line hotel and pamper myself? No, Lex, that's all you have to do is shut your fucking mouth for six weeks and you get the WWF title and you get to be the next Hulk Hogan. Instead, we get it. We get this prima donna attitude, which was Lex Luger. And that's basically ultimately what screws him is. They realized early on they all they being every stooge Vince had went back and told Vince. Yeah. He, and I think Vince even surmised this on his own by this point, because I'm sure he had conversations with Lex himself that Lex was not on board. <laughs> no, no pun intended on board the Lex Express. But he, he wasn't on board with doing all of this shit to be what they wanted him to be. Yeah, I, I, it's it's tough because. To most people, like me and you, like we love wrestling for what it is, and I know you've been a part of the business and, and everything. I, I never have, but if I was put in the position, it'd be like an honor type deal. Um, like, yeah, I, I'm. I, I would love to do this. Sign me up. I would take this. Like, if you're going in the business and somebody says one day you're going to be the guy that's going to replace Hulk Hogan or or be the next Hulk Hogan, I'm like, sign me up for that shit, like all day, you know. But Lex Luger has stated that and it's like one of the first things he says in his book i was in it for the money like i didn't care to be the champion i didn't want it was never a goal of mine was to be the champion i just wanted to make money and and go out there and work i'm sure at some point it may be his thought process have changed but if that's your mentality then absolutely you're going to want to stay in a hotel you're not going to want to ride around on a bus for six weeks and you get the title. He didn't give a shit about the title, but here's the problem. <laughs> it was the with least that. of his words. If you're going to be, if, if I'm thing, being told I'm going to be the next Hulk Hogan, that's where the money's at. I, uh, that's I the merchandise. That, that's, like, that's everything you're putting behind he, me. I'm clearly going to have the biggest contract here. I mean that if it's about the money, wanna, do you not want to be Hulk Hogan in 1993? But, I mean, up till that point, he had made more money than anybody in that era. Yeah. I, I will say like, you know, they maybe want money, but at the same time, like, how much effort and, and all that? Like, they want to get the money, but the easiest way possible. And he probably had a pretty good deal anyway. So I, I don't know. Like, it, it it's it's tough. But, like, nobody else has, has had to do this, what he did. I'm sure Hogan had immediate blitz and immediate storm and everything, but it wasn't immediate. It wasn't as soon as he pinned Iron Sheik. Next thing you know, he's on every damn radio station and hospitals and kissing babies and doing all that stuff. It was a process. It took time. Luger body slammed Yoko and then was on a bus for six weeks, kissing every baby in sight and signing autographs and like that. Yeah, Nobody fast, they were fast that. tracking them. They were fast tracking, fast tracking yeah. it like crazy. And like we're human, man. We're, we we're going to want breaks and need to take a, take a step away from all this. And take a deep breath it's like all at once so i i can see both sides it's dumb to throw it to piss it away because you want to go stay at a five-star hotel and get your nails did but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like just just go through this get it over with and then you get to live the life of luxury for the rest of your life as long as you do well well uh, it's uh, it is one of those things man yeah for, for sure is one of those things and for the next at least three episodes we're going to live that life of the lex express all the way to SummerSlam. uh next week's episode we're going to cover all of the rest of july beyond july 4th that starts with july 5 the monday night raw episode following 
the Body Slam Challenge. And we're going to go all the way to August 1st on that episode of the Wrestling Grenade. In two weeks' time, it's all about August. We're going to follow the Lex Express throughout the month of August as well, up until SummerSlam. And in three weeks' time, it is the SummerSlam Watch Along, the Lex Luger and Yokozuna match we're talking about right now. Uh, so it's gonna we're going to follow everything that's going on on TV. Lex won't be on TV very much outside of the, the videos they play of him on the Lex Express because they're not using him very much on TV right now. They're too busy building his publicity with the fans going around like we talked about, kissing the babies, shaking the hands, and those things. And I will say, like, you you, talk, you mentioned the autographs that he had to sign. I actually have one of the little I want you call to action campaign things. And <laughs> he's just he's just scribbling. He's just scribbling shit. Like, there's two L's. And, and I don't know all the people out there that collect autographs or whatever. Lex Luger has one of the prettiest, nicest-looking signatures of How anybody. How many of those call to action things do you think he had to sign, though? You figure he gave out a couple uh, hundred every I'm, stop? <laughs> so, I mean. uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, he has one of the nicest signatures that you can get as a wrestler, uh, as a collector. And so even with his issues that he has, he holds his pen very weird. But it, it's what he has to do to be able to write with the, mm-hmm. with the issues that he has. But I have one from there, and <laughs> he just scribbled, and it's bad. Like, at least nothing like his signature now. So as you mentioned, he probably doesn't give a shit or didn't give a shit. And uh, by the time third or fourth stop, he was just scribbling stuff. So it's one of those things, man. But uh, but yeah, so that's where we're at right now. It was all aboard the USS Intrepid. Now it's all aboard the Lex Express for the next couple of episodes. We're going to do July. We're going to do August. The SummerSlam watch along should be really fun. Uh, a lot of cool names entering the company. The Heavenly Bodies, Jim Cornette, Ludwig Borga, well done. Uh, well, I said cool names and I said well done, but I apologize. But a lot of uh, the Quebecers, that's a cool, that's a cool yes. take. Yes. So yes. lots of cool stuff coming here over the next uh, couple episodes of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I got to remind everybody also to go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. For those wondering, hey, why did the June episode, the second June episode drop so late? Well, it took me a little longer to edit. We got it. We recorded half the show, which was about two hours and 12 minutes, give or take. And. I got that out early. I got it out a week early. And if you had joined our Patreon, you would have got that episode a week early, guys. That's why it pays off to join our Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Uh, Subscribe there anytime, guys. The $5 all-access tier is the way to go. For those interested, you get all of our watch-alongs exclusive, Patreon watch-alongs, and so much more there. Uh, But for now, Steve, I guess it's uh, time to dip out. But we'll be back again next week. With July of WWF 1993. Yeah, it was fun. Got about an hour and a half of uh, Lex Luger talk, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm, and I'm, this uh, is one of the this is one of the last big big angles or gimmicks that they did like this for a long time. So um, I can't think of an angle like into- this uh, before or since. Maybe there have been things I'm not really <laughs> thinking of, but this is there was a lot of time. And effort and money put into this for a guy to say, nah, I don't feel like fucking doing this today. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, this was an era, you guys I, I You just, guys got to remember, and I meant to mention this before, too, before we end this show. This was an era where Vince was counting his pennies. Money was tight. Business mm-hmm. was not great. And I can't imagine the money he put into this ca- campaign. It really was a campaign to to get Luger over with the fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's not Vince today where he has a $600 million war chest of stashed funds it's 
how we're going to survive and get through another year of TV and things. So uh, whatever extra money he had, he spent on Lex Luger. And, uh, well, his uh, ROI was probably shit. <laughs> so, but we'll see, man. We will we, we have another month and two to talk about it. So um, can't wait. Yeah, we'll continue to follow Lex Luger aboard that Lex Express, and we'll look at everything else going on over the rest of the summer here in the WWF as we lead into SummerSlam. Lots of good Brett and Lawler stuff coming up, and uh, Perfect, and Shawn Michaels, and all kinds of other goodies over here of the next, uh, what is it, another eight, eight weeks till SummerSlam at least, uh, as far as wrestling TV goes. So uh, we'll be back soon, guys. Steve, I appreciate you being here for this Lex Luger episode. I know I had to twist your arm to get you to do this one, but <laughs> it's, it's in the books now, so you should you should be able to relax. Oh, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> Not sure <laughs> no, so. thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll see you again next week. More Wrestling Memory Grenade on the way. Yeah.